Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. I'm Trisden. And I'm Ray. What we hope to do here is find a little bit of middle ground on some of these extremely polarizing social and political issues. Welcome everybody to Extreme Common Sense. What's up, Ray? Hello, Tristan. How you feeling? Man, uh, for a dude who still has COVID, pretty good. Yeah, I mean, you can test positive. So it's like yeah, nine- you can test positive for a while. Yeah, I think I'm nine days from our last show and still positive every day. And But luckily, I mean, the symptoms have been very mild. It's just because it's scary to hear the term COVID. I just wake up every day like, oh, am I going to have pneumonia? But I just, you know, the, the symptoms have been really mild. They've just lasted a long time. Do you test yourself every day? I've started testing myself every day since day six or seven. So like the last four or five days I've tested every morning. Are those Mr. Biden's tests, test kits? You know what? I, I got a couple of them at uh, the the local Dollar General. And then some of those, yeah, were some of the government, they mailed them to you ones. So yeah, yeah a couple different kinds. So we're back in the saddle. Yeah, back in the saddle. Some pretty cool stuff going on this week. And this is one of these shows. We're not like six shows ahead. So this one will air uh, probably a week from today when you hear this. And uh, so, yeah, some pretty cool stuff in the news to talk about, I think. And no guests. We're just chatting about stuff because there's a lot of stuff. Yeah, no guests. There indeed is. Yeah, it's been a, a busy week in politics. So one thing I would like to say, this is a kind of cool pre-show i guess or pre-topic uh story i'd like to say congratulations to our buddy jamie who probably isn't listening but nonetheless who has the true true crime cast a good friend of mine and uh he he flew to boston this week to uh record some uh some tv shows some some true crime tv shows so pretty excited for him and excited to to see those air uh on court tv this fall so, yeah, if you're a true crime fan, uh, look for our a friend of the show and friend of me personally, Jamie, uh, with True Crime Cast. He begins his TV career a little bit. He's a nice guy, but, you know, he's got a face for podcasting. <laughs> Does he know that? Wow. Pull that out on him when he's not here. Yeah, this is what happens. You know, I try to say something nice about somebody, and, and this is the direction Just kidding, it goes. Jamie. You are a very, very handsome man. I actually <laughs> talked to Tristan about that when you left the studio. No, that's really cool. Congratulations. That's neat. That's really cool. Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. And he's actually yeah. he's a big wrestling guy, and he, he has worked sort of a friendship with uh, the wrestler Jericho, who also has a, a podcast. So he does true crime with Jer- So yeah, he's really, he's enjoying the fruits of his labor with, uh, with his podcasting. It's really paid off for him. That's what I was going to ask you. How did that evolve? That's really interesting. Man, I, I knew the, the TV show or his friendship with Jericho. Well, both. Yeah. Well, I think the TV show, I think they reached out to him through his podcast uh, the, the court TV and, uh, and yeah, sort of the same with, uh, Jericho, it just sort of evolved. I think, I don't remember if Jericho had reached out to them about a case they had covered. 
uh, or vice versa, but it sort of sprung into this thing where they do a lot of cross shows and Jericho comes on with them. They go on with Jericho and, and, you know, they've got this little, uh, relationship, which is, you know, just fantastic. And that's great. That's cool. Pretty cool stuff. So, uh, yeah. And today we're, we're, we're still, we're up in the air on a studio. So hopefully you won't know that from listening to the audio, but we don't have, our Berea studio is no more. So we're, we've got to find a spot. So this is a web, a web show. And, uh, one, the reason I bring that up is because I know our producer, Troy is working on some pretty big things and we're going to start uh, doing some commercials for Troy. So if you've listened to this show and you think to yourself, man, I'm better than them, which you probably are. Uh, you can actually reach out to us on Facebook and we'll have some information on, on how to, to reach Troy really soon, but he's doing some really big things. Uh, in the podcast world and uh yeah so stay tuned for that so that's kind of cool for troy and uh and front porch studios yeah and i miss our little studio it was a very quaint neat place to record a show a podcast yeah me too and and we now have our own equipment but we've it's just a matter of sort of me getting done with covid and figuring out where we're going to put it so we can uh, go somewhere with windows and look at each other in person when we yell at each other yeah, it's been a while since we've done a in-person show hasn't it yeah man and, and this a little bit this sort of zoomish format uh it's it's a little bit like work so it is a lot more fun to sort of sit in a studio and chat more than it is to stare at a computer for an hour yeah that's true that that is true and you see yourself yeah, so uh i guess ray yeah right <laughs> we, we have to look at our own faces <laughs> So, uh, first thing I've got written down here on the list of things to talk about, gas prices, seeing some gas prices go down. What are going conservatives going to complain down, about down, down, every down, time you, you talk to them? 30, 30 straight days or something like that. It's crazy. Yeah. Now will, Br will Brandon get the credit or is this somehow Trump, uh, has created cheaper gas from Mar-a-Lago? <laughs> well, he's not in Mar-a-Lago. They close it for the summer. They close it for hurricane season, late summer. And he's in Jersey. He's in Bedminster. I don't know. I don't know if I ever really? mentioned it. I'm also from Jersey. Yeah, I know where Bedminster is. Oh, my bad. You are. Bad. Uh, hello. That's Trump. He's he's mad that you're you're talking about him right now. But he yes, he is. I hear from, you talking uh, about me, Ray. I don't like this. <laughs> He's he's wintering or, or summering, whatever the hell he's doing. They're, they get out of Florida for hurricane season, and he spends a couple of months in Bedminster, New Jersey. In, in fact, they say that Mar-a-Lago is sort of um, buttoned up, like there's a sort of a skeleton staff. And, of course, uh, we had the, the big quote-unquote raid uh, a couple of days back, and I'm sure we're going to cover that today. Yeah, man, uh, it was pretty fascinating, and some of the repercussions of that I found pretty fascinating. So, I mean, hell, we can dip right into that. I, I wanted to talk some Biden today for sure, and we can get to him, but, you know, Trump does suck up the oxygen in the room almost every time, you know, you're talking politics. So, man, what do you think? What, what did you think about the big raid? Well, I'd, I'd ask you first. What do you think the repercussions were? That's an interesting word to use. Well, well, and let me start by saying, I think one of the fascinating things about, uh, we disagree on some of this and I've sort of evolved to the point that I don't think, uh, or you don't think that uh, a, a president should really stand trial an ex president should stand trial for some of this stuff just due to the, the, the possible divide. 
And my sort of philosophy has changed to if you don't prosecute people for wrongdoing, then the next president, be it Democrat or Republican, can come in and do worse stuff because he knows that there's no repercussion. So, again, Republicans think, well, now I don't want my guy to go to court. But what happens when that's Joe Biden and what happens when Joe Biden does something or Hillary Clinton or any of these people that they hate so bad? Look, if we don't hold Trump accountable, then you can't hold our guy accountable. So it has to be, in my opinion, it has to be something that we that there is some accountability. Now, whether that's jail time or what, there should be something. So, man, I think, you know, as long as this is not political, as long as this is not uh, Democrat somehow doing this out of some type of weird political game, I mean, if this is a crime, it's a crime. That's sort of my thought. And let's see. Let's see where the evidence leads us. I mean, obviously, they don't just raid people's uh, homes for no reason, right? No, I mean, it did seem to up the ante, you know, and now apparently there was somebody inside of Mar-a-Lago who actually alerted them, them being the FBI, to this cachet of, uh, of documents and so forth. So, I mean, the whole thing is getting crazy. Now, I will tell you what I think, Trisden, is, um, is, is really dangerous and reprehensible. Marjorie Taylor Greene, leave her out. She's completely nuts. But Rand Paul, who actually represents you and me as a Kentucky U.S. senator, is there talking about how, based on absolutely not a shred of evidence, that the FBI may well have planted evidence while in Mar-a-Lago. Now that, to me, I'm not even sure where... There is, everybody wants to make everything about moral equivalency. Well, na 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 na. my right-wing sister, New Jersey, does it all the time. I know you are, but what am I? I know you are, but what am I? Trump's bad, Hillary was worse, right? You know, Trump's bad, uh, Clinton was worse. Trump's bad, Biden was worse, yada, yada, yada. I don't see an equivalent on the left to saying something as irresponsible as the FBI may well have planted evidence with absolutely no lick of proof of that whatsoever. Rand Paul completely pulled that out of his ass, went on Fox News and said it, and then the acolytes believe it and start to repeat it. And there's just, to me, nothing more dangerous or reprehensible. The man is completely full of shit. And he represents us. Well, and I think you've seen a lot of that because, I mean, that was January 6th. That wasn't our guys. That was Antifa in disguise. There is... To be the anti-participation uh, trophy group, there is a lot of we can't take blame, and it's got to be somebody else's fault. And I mean, that is, that is tough. And I'll tell you where that planted evidence started. Trump, on his Truth Social platform, posted right uh, something that, that sort of mentioned, I hope nothing was planted. And of course, after he posted that, it's been parroted on Fox News now for two or three days. But you're exactly right. They ran with Right. You can't just say it. There has to be some evidence of that. I mean, again, that goes back to, you know, he spent four years discrediting the media just because they're the media. Now, if he starts doing this uh, for the FBI, look, there's going to be a lot of nut jobs that are going to think, oh, the FBI is completely fake. And you saw it today with the Cincinnati shooter. There was a guy with a gun in the Cincinnati FBI office who has been subdued now. But look, people are going to hear this stuff. The FBI is after me. Witch hunt. It's crazy. They're coming after our freedoms. Look, people are going to go shoot other people because of these words. Listen, I'm, I'm the first one on board. 
If there's evidence, Lord have mercy of planning something, let's get to the bottom of it. But to your point, there was no evidence whatsoever that there was anything but a reasonable search warrant served. And wouldn't Rand Paul or shouldn't Rand Paul have more sense than to run with something that Donald Trump tweeted or whatever put on his social media uh, page now that nobody else looks at, I guess, except for Rand Paul? I mean, just terrible, terrible judgment. And and again, I don't know where the commensurate act is. So, so that whole world of moral equivalency that, yes, to some degree we all do, but the right seems to really have, I mean, come on, let's be honest, Fox, Fox News grew a cottage industry around, I know you are, but what am I, as did, as did my buddy Limbaugh. It's been a few shows since I mentioned the late Rush, so we'll bring him up. That was his whole, I used to say to people, all you had to do was listen to Limbaugh's show for five minutes, and he was a victim of something or somebody else on the left was worse than whatever was in the news at that day. And they've done it very, very successfully. And so now Trump is going to try to do that exact thing with this raid, when in all likelihood, it seems that the parties were negotiating in June. And basically, the Trump people gave the Department of Justice the middle finger and said, that's it. That's all you're getting out of us. If you want more, I guess you'll have to come and get it. And guess what? They fucking called their bluff and they came and got it. And I think that um, if you notice, there were no cameras. Nobody was invited. CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, nobody, no phone calls were made. Trump didn't even know. Apparently no one knew until later in the afternoon. It was a truly covert uh, mission, if you will, uh, uh, warrant. And they did that for a specific reason, because they didn't want it to be grandiose. It was just a... You know, it, it was a matter of um, um, process. You know, they wanted the process to go rather smoothly, which it appears to have done. And I think the Trump world was caught completely off guard by it. So their only defense was what? That these guys are terrible and corrupt and it's a police state and it's a banana republic. I mean, how did we get to the place where Republicans hate America so fiercely? I thought these were the law and order people. I thought these were the blue lives matter people. I thought these were the people who had respect for things like the FBI and the Department of Justice and rules of law. What happened to that? There seems to be none. It certainly feels like it goes out the window the moment it inconveniences them. Police lives matter more than anything else until those police are standing in front of the Capitol on January 6th. Police matter more than anything until they're, you know, following through on a search warrant of a Republican. Look, you can't have it. Right. And look, let the courts work it out. Nobody's saying, look, Trump's 100% guilty. You know, they, they went in there and found all this stuff. Look, we don't know yet. It's just, it's up in the air, but let's see where it takes us. He could be very guilty of many crimes. He could be not guilty of any crimes, but that's the the whole point of our, our justice system is there's due process. They had reason to believe there was something in there, uh, assuming that it was unpolitical and they went in there to see what evidence they had to your point that they, they were still looking for evidence from a, a previous discussion. Look, let let the let it play out, and then we'll know. But see, Tristan, but it doesn't make you, the FBI bad folks. But it, but to them, it does. You're you're making a very logical, linear, common sense uh, argument, or or um, uh, uh, you know, example. You're 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 using common sense. 
common sense kind of lost on the MAGA people. And I'd like to state right here that there's a huge difference between MAGA world and conservatives. I have the up, I've said this a thousand times on this show, or at least ten. I have a lot of respect for conservatives. Two of my favorite, I didn't only had two uncles, but both my uncles, very conservative men, Republicans, loved both of them, learned a lot from both of them. They, they, led, they led lives that were wholesome. A um, lot to be said for conservatism, a lot to be said for the Republican Party that we knew. This is not MAGA world. MAGA world is filled with conspiratorial uh, leanings. It's filled with hyperbole, overblown hyperbole. It's filled with fantasy. It's filled with, you know, fake news, which they co-opted now and CNN is fake news. I mean, and, and this is the danger of a guy like Rand Paul saying that the FBI picking up on Trump's lead and saying the FBI may have planted evidence because what does that do? It undermines the faith that you have in the institutions that make America work and that, ironically, make America great. Not again, but make it great. And once you start to undermine those institutions, be it the FBI, be it the Department of Justice, be it the court system generally, which is what they're now doing, well, that's when people start to lose their trust in democracy, and that's when it opens the door for autocracy. And that is really the fucking danger is that American democracy is in peril as this guy continues his charade, this guy being Trump. It really is. And, and again, Tristan, are you going to tell me if you're in the world of MAGA that Hillary's server with her emails is equivalent to Trump literally trying to stop American democracy, literally trying to overturn an election, literally trying to stop the process? and make him the victor in a race that he lost it's it's this is going to be a terrible analogy but and it's going to be one that you'll know well i've often said this about pete rose arguably one of the greatest hitters ever some might say the greatest he's got the all-time hits he's not in the hall of fame and people will say well babe ruth was a drunk and uh ted williams i'm not sure that ted williams did this but he may have ted williams beat his wife and uh, ricky henderson was uh, a bit of a degenerate and uh this one did steroids and you know maybe somebody else was i don't not i don't know about a murderer but there's some real egregious folks who are still in the hall of fame but pete is not and my point is well those things are bad but the worst thing that you can do, literally, is to manage a team and bet against it. Now, now I'm not saying 100% that that's what Pete did, but I believe that's what he did. I believe that's the, the goods, if you will, that Bart Giamatti had on Pete that kept him out of the Hall of Fame. They went to him and they said, Pete, because we know he was a degenerate gambler, we have evidence that you bet against the Reds when you managed them, and there is no greater crime than that in all of sports. So we're going to keep you out of the Hall of Fame. I don't care what the crime you want to tell me, whether it's her fucking server and emails or Bill getting a blowjob in the White House or whatever other things. When you have a president who's actually trying to overturn the results of an election to keep himself in power, that's the worst that there is. There's nothing more egregious than that as pertains American democracy. And that's where we are with Trump. And it's provable. It gets more and more provable each day as you see this thing play out. Yeah, he doesn't take a break and step back and, and sort of allow room for, well, maybe I lost. I mean, he really has doubled and tripled down on this lie. And it is just, you know, it's overtaken, you know, a pretty large swath of Americans. 
um, you know, here's one point I'll make. You know, and you you raised a great point uh, earlier in the week when you and I were just having a, a conversation. You know, James Comey in the FBI, who now, of course, is the the FBI is completely now partisan, deep state, whatever, because of the Trump raid. He served a warrant on Hillary a week before the election. Right. Right. So, listen, where was the outcry? I don't recall any Democrats saying, oh, it's all fake and it's completely partisan. Like, I'm sure there was a little bit of, man, that's pretty suspect timing. Yeah. Yeah, Like, it was suspect timing for sure. Yes. But that's a great point. They were pissed. People on the left were pissed. And there's some who still believe that that caused Hillary um, to lose that election, which gave us Trump, if you will. Um, But yeah, I don't remember people on the left. I didn't see AOC on there or Chuck Schumer saying that this the FBI is is out of line and they're corrupt and comb. I mean, it's it's that's what I'm kind of saying. I don't see the equivalency on this thing. I just don't. Maybe somebody can point it out to me. I'm sure Hannity would tell me at length. But you know, so much of that is just bullshit. No, it really feels that way, and I try to. You know, I try to wrap myself all around the all around the tree to try and not just be a partisan hack on this because you know it. it I didn't love Trump before you know January six. I was probably never going to vote for Trump. Although you know, I think like a lot of people in the middle class of America, I sat when he ran and I thought, well, maybe he won't be too bad. I don't know. Maybe he'll be fine. Like I probably again, I wouldn't have voted for him necessarily, but I was willing to give him a chance. And of course. Anybody who wins the presidency, presidency, I feel like does deserve a chance. But right, man. At the same time, yeah. But at the same time, like, yeah. There's no, there's no excuse or no justification for undermining our democracy. And I felt the same way. One of the reasons I dislike Trump as a president is somebody who works in the very fringe bottom of media. You know, when you're trying to sow that discord among basically any media and news outlet because if, if it if there's a chance it doesn't agree with you you want to be able to stand up and say ah well it doesn't agree with me so that's fake look there's greater implications for doing that like it doesn't just get you out of having to you know be held accountable for some dumb thing you said or did like it's far-reaching look in the future People will be able to say this in 20 years from now. People will still be saying fake news if it disagrees with something that they, you know, don't want to have to take responsibility for. So, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of stuff that Trump did and a lot of seeds he planted. But, yeah, to your point, this is the absolute worst. You can't take away what makes America literally great, which is the peaceful transfer of power. I get it. Trump's a baby. I get it. He doesn't like to lose. Guess what? Nobody fucking likes to lose. We all hate to lose. But there's a point where you have to say, look, I'm going to walk away from this somehow without deeply fracturing our country, without motivating idiots with AKs to go shoot up the Cincinnati FBI. Correct. So again, so you can say, man, Trump's tax breaks were awesome. You know, when Trump was president, gas was cheap. When Trump was president, there was literally no regulation on business. Every business owner was happy, which is wonderful. Look, all those things could be potentially really good. I get there's people that vote for reasons outside of the reasons I vote for. I understand we may completely disagree with your reason to vote, but we each get that right to vote. But again, you can't fundamentally destroy our country as we know it for a strongman leader. 
I can't ever wrap my mind around that, whether it's Trump or Biden or Hillary or anybody else. Look, I'll, I'm a Cincinnati Reds fan. I'm loose, used to losing. I don't mind losing. I can wait four years and vote again. But look, to tell me I don't get a chance to vote in four years because your side really, really likes your guy, man, I, I can't do it. I can't wrap my mind around that. Right. It's a disruption of America's transfer of power, which is really, in many cases, the envy of the world. I mean, we've got the world's oldest democracy at whatever, 246 years. Um, you know, the French have been doing it a long time, too, but American Revolution happened first. And it is the world's oldest democracy. And what that motherfucker has attempted to do is he has attempted, you know, made the best effort to disrupt that transfer of power and to claim victory in a race that he lost. And and people are like, he didn't lose it. Okay, let me you made a commonsensical argument before. Let me make one. Yes, he lost it. You want to know why he lost it? He lost the race on suburban women. These are the very women who held their nose in 2016 and voted for Donald Trump for whatever reasons they, you know, had had enough Obama. Let's give the Republican a chance. Hillary didn't quite do for, you know, for women. Maybe there. that's a whole nother discussion. She wasn't uh, motherly enough or whatever the hell. But at any rate, it was suburban women around the cities like Phoenix, Arizona and Milwaukee, Wisconsin and Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, who gave Trump the White House in 2016. It was a surprise to a lot of people, but that is it. Because again, I know I've been down this road ad infinitum, but you and I can tell you how 75% of white men are going to vote. We can tell you how 90% of African Americans are going to vote. Hispanics about 50-50, but the question mark always is suburban women, right? And and that is who elected Trump in 16. That is who voted against the Republican Party in 2018 when Democrats came back to, back to power in the House and Pelosi became Speaker again. And that is exactly who voted against Donald Trump in 2020. So for anybody who says, oh, there's no way he could have lost. Yes, there is. He lost the vote and the support of suburban white women. The same women who were pissed. I say white women largely, but suburban women. Um, and th those, these are the same women who are pissed off right now about Roe, which is a which has already been lost now with, I shouldn't say already, because Kansas showed us something different, that Kansas vote, but, and it's going to be an issue in November, but those women are pissed, which is why the playing field has now been a bit, bit leveled. That whole red wave is somewhat in doubt. I mean, all likelihood is probably the Democrats keep the Senate, not, and, and no insignificant measure because some of their fucking candidates are atrocious, like Mehmet Oz in Pennsylvania, Herschel Walker in Georgia. Jesus Christ. I mean, these are some terrible candidates, and it looks as though the Democrats will win those races and probably keep the Senate. And the House is going to be, Republicans will probably retake it. McCarthy will be Speaker. But it's, I don't see a red wave because... Republicans have kind of shot themselves in the foot. Now, they some people do say that, you know, Republicans have gotten a lot of muster out of this raid and Trump is back being their guy and it's going to rally the, the MAGA crazies and so forth. But, you know, it may. We'll have to see. Yeah, no, I, I think that's it, it. It does feel like, you know, three weeks ago, you know, it really felt like, you know, the Democrats just were going to continue to stumble over their feet and, and just really struggle uh, going into these midterms. But yeah, I mean, Biden had a really great uh, couple weeks, which was a change. Yeah. I mean, by m most accounts, 
you know, even the people in the middle were very much not happy with how Biden ha- has done. I mean, I think uh, some of these problems were, were self-manufactured. A lot of them, I think he walked into kind of a weird time in history with COVID and inflation and some of this stuff, gas prices that, you know, maybe aren't 100% his fault. But look, I said the same thing about Trump and COVID as well. You're the fucking man when you're in there. You're the guy on top. You're going to get some of this blame. You you have to expect to get it, and you've got to figure it out. So, and I think over the last few weeks, Biden has made some nice moves with the uh, with the the spending bill. Uh, was build back better, um, which focused basically on climate, healthcare, and the deficit. Which sounds like a Republican bill, right? Like, how do Republicans right. hate that? Well, not so much a climate, but certainly, and, uh, you, you know, know, also we. Fair. And to your point, gas prices now, uh, I think I paid $3.60 today, uh, which is they continue to drop, what, 30 days in a row as of, uh, what, August the 11th? Is that right? Unem- yeah, unemployment at record lows. Spending still up. Consumer spending is still way, way up. And I, <clears throat> uh-oh, I'm choking, Tristan. Choking right in the middle uh-oh. of the live broadcast. I saw you over there. You're trying to, to eat peanuts over there. I see you on the camera eating peanuts, and then bad. you start choking. Especially because I think <laughs> I might have some slight peanut allergy, which is crazy. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it has been two very good weeks for Uncle Joe. Now, he's not going to get a lick of anything on Fox News other than that he's a bumbling, stumbling idiot who's gone around the bend and Jill does everything for him. But... You know, and, and like they don't even budge on that now. From I, I always refer from Hannity to the Gutfeld kid. And as my brother texted me and said, You realize the, the Gutfeld kid is 58 years old, only a couple of years younger than you? I said, Yeah, I knew that. I just call him the Gutfeld kid because he annoys the fuck out of me. And I, so it's, it's definitely derisive in his case. But literally from eight o'clock at night when Carlson takes the air to midnight when the Gutfeld kid show ends, it is four hours of Carlson, Hannity, Graham. Laura Graham or Laura Ingram and um, and Gutfeld just basically telling you that Joe Biden is a bumbling, stumbling, incompetent, gone around the bend, uh, Alzheimer's ridden, out of touch, and there and there's never any variance. Like that's just consistent for four hours. Well, and my question to you, Ray, is you know if you go back to twenty the twenty twenty election. I think one of the great things that Fox News did for Joe Biden was to say every time there was a hot mic, what an incompetent imbecile he was, because as soon as he debated Trump and sounded like a somewhat normal, totally, you know, political person, then that argument kind of flew out the window. And I think you attribute, or I attribute a lot of that to just them painting this picture of this person who should be wearing a diaper in a nursing home. To, oh, shit. Well, he's probably sounds like every other politician at, you know, certainly at that age. They set the bar really, really low, didn't they? Indeed. Yeah. They just, they, 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 they set they the bar really low. low. And I said to my right wing sister many, many times and still say, say it today when something that you hang your entire uh, opposition to a candidate on, which is that he's incompetent and drooling on himself and he's filled with dementia is provably untrue. And you continue to say it and you continue to stay with it. People turn you off. And that was also instrumental. In addition to suburban women, 
uh, the two things that turned that election, you're exactly right, where, yes, suburban women had, had had enough of Trump and voted against him, and people at large were like, these, these fucking right-wingers are completely full of shit. The only argument they're making is that he's an incompetent, babbling idiot filled with dementia, and I can watch him on television and see that that's not true. So why do you continue to say that? You've lost my respect. Yeah, no, and I think that goes to... Again, you talk about the the nighttime lineup on Fox News. Of course, CNN's not completely immune to that. And there's there's several other right-wing outlets that are popping up. But again, it it just becomes this world of people that want to live in a bubble and just hear shit that they want to hear that makes sense to them, which is devoid of reality. And I think, you know, on either side, when you're hearing that, it hurts and it's stupid and doesn't do anything for American democracy. But I think one of the things on the right, and I don't want to always pick on my friends on the right, because again, the best people I know literally on this earth are Republican and conservative. I mean, I I think the absolute world of so many of my Republican friends, but again, like this is now the party of like all the conspiracies. Like this is the party of John F. Kennedy Jr. Still alive. This is the party of, you know, Pizzagate. I mean, I, I don't know how, the normal Republicans distance themselves from these people, or if they even want to, if they'll just take the vote and and roll on. But it it is, it's, it's definitely becoming, you know, somehow even more partisan, but I I think the partisan bothers me less than the craziness of, you know, this, you know, again, the FBI secretly planning evidence. Give me a fucking break. Like we can't just live in this fake world that everything we disagree with has to be, you know, there's a, a red herring for everything that that I don't want to be the case. I mean, they've they've gone to a dark place, haven't they? I mean, it's just really um, hard to fathom where all of this plays out <clears throat> or how it plays out. Uh, and, and Trump just is not going to go away, is he? No, and, and- he's just not going to go away. Yeah, and that had uh, here to ask you. I mean, there's no doubt. Like he's he's running, right? I mean, unless something happens between now and I don't know, unless he's in jail. <laughs> I mean, he's he's running on the Republican side. He's going into those primaries. <clears throat> well, yeah. I mean, one of the things they say is that he may, he may have been told by some of his legal advisors that if you are an announced candidate for president, there's some constitutional ambiguity as to whether or not charges can be brought against you. But I, I, t- I found this text that I had sent to my sister. Now, mind you, she is full-on MAGA. I mean, she sends some of the most outlandish things. And, and to give her the benefit of the doubt, this is a three-way text thread between myself, my brother, who's pretty progressive, was our guest last week. And we didn't really talk politics with Tommy. We talked about his career teaching. We'll have to get him back on. He's certainly further left than either you or I, and she is full-on MAGA right. But I sent this text to her. Probably went in one ear and out the other. Um, but I said... There's extremes in both parties. Can we agree on that? The difference between where you and I find ourselves, Rini is her name, my sister's name. The difference between where you and I find ourselves, Rini, is that I, like your new best friend, Bill Maher, she's always quoting Maher now because conservatives suddenly love Maher. The difference is that people like me and Maher will point out some of the absurdity in the extremes of the Democratic Party. Absurdity such as pronoun choice or adoption of safe spaces or environmental issues over economic ones. You, on the other hand, represent all of the most extreme views that the Republican Party has to offer. And that is a distinction with a huge difference. 
And that's what I see. That's why I say MAGA people aren't even conservative. Conservatism has a lot of merit. Conservative ideas, ideals and ideas have much merit. I live my life by many of them. MAGA people aren't conservatives. They're anarchists. They want to tear everything apart. No, that's a great point. I mean, you definitely see that's that's the, i guess the shift in the republican party it was a very you know low taxes uh fiscally conservative we're not going to spend type of uh, a group of voters and now it is just sort of became well whatever trump wants you know like if trump right. says you know i mean trump right. said some some anti-gun things in his four years that you know just blew me away that people you know were fine with and you know going back to some of the earlier stuff with uh calling john mccain not a hero because he was captured and you know some of these things no one else in the history of american politics would have ever got away with you know shitting on a, a veteran a war veteran hero prisoner of war like that i mean i don't get the complete you know he's the golden cow like he is the this idol that just can't be tarnished and you know in fairness, like he, he was rich from birth. His daddy gave him millions of dollars. You know, he, he grew up a, a spoiled playboy. You apparently was probably also pretty good at real estate at, at some points of his life. But I don't I don't see this love, this fascination, like why he is just worship. Right. Why? Why I worship him? Like, I get it. You like some of the stuff he says. I get you like that. You know, he supposedly is rich, so he doesn't need the money. He just wants like I get some of the banter uh, around Trump, but I don't that understand big, why he's infallible. That's going to be the question that historians are going to have to really ponder and look at. I would assume no small part of it, Tristan, is that these MAGA types who really find themselves put upon. They think that the American dream has left them and they think that, uh, you know, so much of the bullshit that Fox and our buddy Limbaugh uh, spoon fed them, they, they believed that the American dream left them and somebody was fucking them, you know, intentionally and feathering their nest at the expense of them. Um, and, and Trump came on board and you're exactly right. If you look at the Donald Trump of 1999, who was flirting with a 2000 run, uh, a, a presidential run on Ross Perot's Reform Party ticket. After Perot had run, run twice, Trump flirted with it and then opted out. He was going to run as a man who was anti-gun and pro-abortion, okay, and pro-homosexuality. Anti-gun, this was Donald Trump in 99, don't believe me, go back and look. In favor of gun control, in favor of abortion, on demand, and in favor of homosexual union. Okay, little different than the guy who ran in 16 years later. So to his credit, he was kind of an empty vessel who just saw this opening. And right, he's no dummy. And he realized that these were people who <clears throat> felt like the system had left them and churned them up and spit them out and didn't give a fuck about them. And he appealed directly to that. So he was the guy who would poke the finger in the eye of these um, of these liberals and of these establishment Republicans who were making their lives so terrible. And I think a big part of his appeal was that. And he did it very, very successfully. And those people's, you know, <clears throat> cults are an odd thing, man. They've been with us throughout history, and MAGA is a cult. There, It simply is a cult. I mean, there are people who said the Obama appeal was a bit cultish, and I get that early on, but I think it evolved into something else. It certainly didn't evolve into... Everything that Barack Obama said was taken as the burning bush gospel truth, you know, in the way it has with Trump. 
Yeah, I, well, it's funny. I think talking about Obama, there was a very funny Saturday Night Live skit early on, and it was obviously a joke, but it was kind of true. It was, uh, you know, it was a panel of black folks, and they would ask everybody on the panel, like, okay, so if Obama came out and, I don't know, like, shot Dr. Dre, like, would you still vote for him? And it was always like, the answer was always, of course we would, because he's the first black candidate. So, like, yeah, you get sort of some of that appeal in the black community to really want to feel represented that even had Obama not been the best candidate at the time, maybe that, that he still would have got some votes just because he looked, you know, like a, a large portion of our country. So I kind of get that. But at the same time, like, you know, the middle of the country who also voted for, for Obama would have definitely, you know, if he shot somebody in Times Square, he would have lost a lot of votes. You know, again, I, Trump Trump calls it when he says, I could shoot somebody in Times Square and people would still have my back and his people would still have his back. So, and I you mean, do have to it's give him fascinating. That. That's what I'm saying. He, he knew exactly what he was doing. He tapped into that and actually explained it, which we thought was a throwaway quote back in 2015, 2016, when he uttered those words. And it actually, as it turned out to be a hell of a prediction because he was 100% right. And we're at a place now where if he did shoot someone in the middle of Fifth Avenue, it would be, well, that was strictly defense. Our guy can't do anything wrong. It's, it's, um, it's, a, it's a bizarre thing. But I think a lot of it has to do with he was the guy who was willing to poke the finger in the eye of the Republic established, Republican establishment, people like Mitch McConnell, who these MAGA folks felt as though McConnell was doing nothing for them. People like Hollywood elites, New York elites who were just ignoring them and trashing them and looked at them as, you know, members of flyover country and rubes and hicks and hillbillies. <clears throat> and he appealed to them. He appealed to that element and that element responded. I mean, it's hate to say it's as simple as that, but that's a huge part of it. Oh, no, I, I definitely think you're you're absolutely right. And I hate to go uh, subject change on you, but I uh, really would like to also talk some about Biden. Does the does Biden's big couple weeks to these lower gas prices? Now, again, we've talked about these folks that are, you know, with Trump till they die. Of course, they're never going to say yeah, Biden had a good couple weeks and whatever. But uh, again, never. it's not an extreme common sense when you look at the, the bases of both parties, I'm sure. But uh, yeah. does this matter? Uh, it, can he carry some of this uh, through the midterms and, and into, you know, 2024? Will that matter? Will he run? What do you think? No, I think to your point, <clears throat> it's a way different race now than it was on June 1st. Now, has this raid reinvigorated some feelings on the right? Yeah, we'll have to see about that. But Democrats are in a vastly different place, you know, soon to be September 1st than they were June 1st. So the, But really, Tristan, there are a lot of political advisors who say that the race truly doesn't begin until after Labor Day. Right now, it's a lot of gnashing of teeth and so forth. But the races will really begin in earnest the second, uh, the, the uh, Tuesday after Labor Day. And so we'll see. I mean, I think if you're a Democratic candidate, yeah, you have to tout those. Uh, I mean, Biden, perhaps, but really who was amazing was Charles Schumer, you know, the leader of the House, the, the Senate, um, pre, uh, the, the leader of the majority in the Senate, who I think really stuck Mitch McConnell. And that's a hard task. Mitch is a, I mean, we, you and I have been watching Mitch McConnell a long, long time being Kentucky residents. And 
I may not agree with everything that Mitch represents, but I have the utmost respect for him. He's one of the most skilled and skillful politicians that I've ever seen. Man says nothing unless he intends to say it. Never gives away his hand. Is just such a great poker player. <clears throat> and Schumer one-upped him completely unbeknownst to Mitch. I don't think he had any idea those negotiations were going on with Manchin and Cinema. I believe the Republicans thought that that bill was done. And all of a sudden, Schumer resurrected it and just completely caught them off guard, stuck it deep up their ass and broke it off. And so, you know, Tristan, there is some really valid speculation that that vote against um, uh, veterans' benefits for burn pits was Mitch, and this is where it is childish and still high school. None of us ever quite get out of high school. Mitch had his nose out of joint so badly that he told Republicans to vote against that because that was something that needed 60 votes, not 50. And John Stewart got involved and truly embarrassed Republicans. John Stewart made Republicans look like assholes. And then what the vote wound up being 83 to 11 or whatever the hell it was. But that was kind of disgraceful. They were voting against this aid to veterans simply because Mitch's nose was out of joint because Schumer had beat him badly on that bill. And so he told his coalition or his caucus not to vote for the veterans benefits, which was just one more black eye because Stewart made them look terrible. So there are some things running against Republicans. I think their backs are up against the wall a little bit. And as I said before, they, I I don't know the house as well, but they nominated some fucking terrible Senate candidates. Yeah. And, and, and I will say this too, man, when John Stewart gets involved, Jesus Christ. I mean, he's John's on the right, the right side of history. Every time he's, he's saying anything as far as our, our veterans, uh, nine 11 first responders and thank God for John. I mean, thank God for him, uh, getting these people, the benefits and the insurance and things they deserve. And, and it always goes to me, man, I, you know, Republicans will take a lot of credit for being the pro-military party, a lot of credit for being the pro-America party. They love to fly the American flag. But when it comes to we're actually going to have to pay some money to take care of these guys, a lot of times they're on the wrong side of it. How how do they shoot themselves in the foot on stuff like that? I mean, you've got to get the bill right for first responders, health insurance, for the burn burn pit uh, the the military uh, members who were you know worked in burn p- pits when they were uh, active like we have to take care of these people look whatever we have to do so man to me that was fascinating that uh, they of course didn't vote for that like you said as a as a direct result of the build back better vote but uh, I guess my question for you would be what about John Stewart for president why not although truthfully it's been fairly well proven that. Um, and, and Trump wasn't the best example. Eisenhower, prior to him, and even U.S. Grant, um, Washington, you can't say because he was the first president, but it's really not a place to, it's not the place for entry-level politics. That's why governors make pretty fucking good presidents and some senators, but you need some executive-level experience. You know, Trump was a disaster not a place for entry level. Eisenhower, the country was in great shape post-World War II. Ike didn't do a hell of a lot. Ulysses Grant, by all accounts, not a great president. Um, And these were all men who started their political career in the White House. So, you know, 
that whole notion of celebrity, I don't know. It's, it's you know, there's, and we're more obsessed. I guess Americans have always been celebrity obsessed, um, but we seem now to be more celebrity obsessed than ever. And it's, I would take a step back and say, uh, you know, but I'm, I'm a, I'm, I'm a political hobbyist and I'm also in a minority of probably, I don't know, if you had a hundred people gathered, there might be five of us who actually say, I've never asked you this question. Um, I'm one of those crazy Americans who actually believe there's a lot of very good people in Washington, D.C. and in Frankfurt. Yeah, there's some shit heels and there's some scumbags, but I'd say it's 80-20. I think there's 80% and that's both sides, Republicans and Democrats who want to do the right thing, who are there for noble reasons. Maybe I'm a naive fool, but that's the way I believe. I don't think politician is a dirty word. I think it's a noble calling. I think it takes a hell of a lot of work. I think politicians largely reflect us. We don't reflect them. They reflect what we want, right? And um, there's a lot of good people there. So, you know, this notion that every politician is a scumbag, my sister says it all the time. I just think that that is a very, very flawed philosophy. I think it's a, it's, it's a negative and it's wrong. I don't disagree with that. I, I will throw this out there. To which you say? No, I don't disagree. I, I completely think, uh, you know, I don't think people get into politics to to fuck people over or to do the worst. I or mean, just to more often nest. than not. Yeah. I mean, yeah, to your point, I would say it's maybe closer to 70, 30 than, you know, than 80, 20, <laughs> but no, I, I definitely feel like, and, and to your point on both sides, a lot of those guys and, and ladies get in there certainly to try and make the country better and, and, you know, to, to have them reflect their values. But uh, I will say this about John Stewart. Vladimir Zelensky has done a pretty good job as uh, from comedian to president. So. Yeah, very true. Yeah, very, I mean, very true. Certainly a world hero at this point. But um, man, let's it, get it, Stewart going. Yeah, no, I, I, I would be all. I'd be all aboard. I would just think about that because uh, there was some speculation, and I think it's already probably flown the coop. But um, and it's funny because I've watched a bit of Shark Tank in the last few months. I'd never watched it, but I've. I've um, I've watched it quite a bit. It's a, it's a, it's an entertaining show. But there was some <laughs> speculation about Cuban, possibly, <clears throat> about Mark Cuban possibly throwing his hat in the ring. But uh, you know, or or how about the Rock? We go with the Rock. I would like to hear. I'm, I'm look. I'm open here. All of what they have to say. I think Mark Cuban is a smart guy, and I think uh, a common sense guy, kind of like us. Right. I, I don't think you'd probably sit no down and he would be a flat. You know, completely Democrat or completely Republican. Yeah, I think he would probably be a common sense president. So right. I'm certainly open to that. Even The Rock, you know, I feel like The Rock's young, but I guess maybe he's not. But I would be open to looking at what he has to say. Um, I think, too, that the point about um, basically a rookie president who hasn't been a governor or senator, I think the key is who you surround yourself with, right? Like, you could probably be less uh, seasoned in politics if you're surrounding yourself with people who really know their shit. So I don't always think like you're doomed to failure, uh, having not been a politician your whole life, but you know, certainly to, to the point you often make it, you know, it is the only, uh, job in America where people kind of say that the more experience you have, you know, the more corrupt and worse you are. So, right. Right. Yeah. I would Politics be open to seems that. to be the only entity. Yeah. yeah. The only entity that is not, um, improved by experience. They, they want all, all newbies in there. As far as it goes with Biden, I would be very happy if Joe Biden said, <clears throat> I did what I had to do. I beat the guy who was going to 
actively worked to overturn American democracy, and that was a vitally important win for the country. And uh, I'm going to bow out gracefully, and we'll see what happens. As, as uh, LBJ said in 1968, I will not, ex- as a sitting president, I will not accept, I will not seek, nor will I accept my party's nomination to be president. I still remember that. It was March of 1968, and I was a seven-year-old kid, and mom was a huge political junkie. It's where my love of politics came from. I don't think the old man really cared. And my mother audibly gasped. I still remember it as a seven-year-old because that was unbeknownst to anybody. And when LBJ spoke those words on live TV, she went, <gasps> because it opened that's And that's when it opened up the door, of course, for Bobby Kennedy, who was, and, and that was March. So Martin Luther King would be assassinated about three weeks after that. Bobby Kennedy, two months after that. That was a hell of a year, 1968, baby. You think we got problems? Go back wow. to 68. No doubt. Right. Uh, you, you know, one of the things I'll say also on the heels of uh, politicians having experience, I'm fascinated by this because, you know, obviously, if you walk around a big group of Republicans or a Trump rally, let's go Brandon and he's an idiot and, you know, some of that stuff that they they, they parrot. But, man, if you watch Meet the Press or if you watch uh, any Republican interview, like if you watch a Mitch McConnell interview, it's fascinating that they're very much not going to shit on Joe Biden. You know, Mitch McConnell will say, you know, I, I like Joe Biden. He's a, he's, a, he's a good moral guy, and I like him, but, you know, we disagree. Man, it, it says a lot. It says a lot that most of those guys, you know, they don't really shit on him. It's very much right. like uh, you, there's a lot well, of respect there among his peers, whether well, whether the Brandon guys like him or not. Which brings us full circle on this show, Tristan, which is, again, why I think, and you're exactly right about Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell wouldn't say that the FBI planted evidence down there. But this piece of shit Rand Paul did, and I don't know if I can get in trouble for calling a sitting U.S. senator a piece of shit on public airways, but that is like the lowest thing that you can do. Or put put a, put a different, put it, put differently, it's the height of irresponsibility. It is the height of irresponsibility, and that's a great point you make. You wouldn't see Mitch McConnell saying that, but you got this idiot Rand Paul saying it. It's, it's really filthy. And really disgusting, because it undermines the the very institutions that make that ironically make America great. So with that, I guess we need to um, thank sponsors. And you got to get to your top ten. You got a top ten? Yeah, I threw one together. I think I've had it for a month. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go back and revisit that. Um, anyway, I guess one more thing, kind of a throwaway, but boy, they Republicans really. I, I don't get some of their decisions, but. Uh, not voting to cap the prices of insulin. That didn't make much sense to me. What's the benefit other than we're in the pocket of big pharma to, to not be there for that? Well, I think, I think that's exactly what it is. And I think it's, you know, a nod to the free market. That's a real true liberal versus conservative divide that any restrictions you put on the marketplace is bad for business. Any restrictions you put on earning power is bad for business. And I think it's just a true liberal conservative divide and i think it's you know that's it's probably a, another show topic but <clears throat> that whole vote the things that fall under reconciliation and the things that don't which is decided by the senate parliamentarian so the things that fall under reconciliation only require 50 votes and the things that don't require 60 and the insulin provision was one that didn't fall under reconciliation so they had to get 60 votes for it so that was one place where Republicans could show a little muscle and say, 
you know, we're voting against this additional spending. So, yeah, it's... Um, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. If, 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 if Republicans, I don't think that the Democrats can hold on to the House. I think they can the Senate. But if they hold on, Democrats hold on to both the House and Senate. You know who Republicans have to blame for that? Only themselves. A combination of terrible optics, terrible candidates, and and terrible votes. Those three. Yeah. Pretty perfect storm. Yeah, and they've got... And to your point, there's a lot of time between now and the election. You know, nothing's decided yet. So we'll see who shoots themselves in the foot between now and then. But yeah, uh, definitely let's thank our sponsors and get to some of the funniest comedy, I'm sure, in the history of all the world. Um, so yeah, thanks, uh, thanks to Bree upon buckshot and Aaron, uh, hopefully is listening and probably not disagreeing with a whole hell of a lot of this episode, oh, no, but sure nonetheless, you, you will has- agree with his prices. Ah. <laughs> well, you'll definitely ag- agree with his prices. That's for sure at Berea Pond. So check him out at 107 Clay Drive when you're in the market for uh man, a couch, a table, some shelving, uh, bookshelves, a kayak, man, they just always have the coolest selection. I always like to go uh, and buy uh, case knives as Christmas gifts. It's a great oh, local case knife dealer. Yeah. yeah. I mean, good, like nice $50 gift. If you want to get somebody a nice something fit between 50 and a hundred bucks, something that they'll keep a nice pocket knife or something like that. So, um, you know, Aaron will take good care of you. If God forbid you need a little extra money, uh, you can go in there and they'll, they'll pawn something for you and, you know, pay a small fee and get it back when you, when your check comes in, it's kind of like a, uh, um, one of those, uh, places where you get a little advance on your paycheck before, uh, right. you know, you need a little something comes up, you need a little cash, head on in to Bria Pond, they'll, they'll take care of you there too. So, uh, and hopefully we're going to have some commercials for Aaron and uh, some and Bad Wolf here coming up soon. So we won't stutter this out every time live and uh, they'll have yeah, maybe a need, better yeah, commercial. That's true. You definitely won't I've regret going into Bria Pond. Yeah, it'd be fun to yeah, have. I've thought of that listening to the yeah. show. We do need to produce, and and Dan is is hanging in with us. He uh, actually offered his shop at Seven Eleven Chestnut Street for us to broadcast out of. And as Tristan said earlier in in this podcast, we're still kind of working all that out. We sort of had the rug pulled out from under us. Our business, not really yours, but we're working all that out. And um, who knows? Maybe we'll wind up broadcasting from Dan's place. Man, I would love to, and I think the only even thought or only reason not to is. It's a seems like a lot of equipment to to put together every week. So like if the, if you yeah. had a corner of that place that we could just leave it set up, man, I would love to record it. Bad Wolf, um, you know, it's so clean and nice and friendly. It's a great environment, and you know, for both for us or you know, folks uh, that patronize uh, Bad Wolf Gaming. Right. But uh, yeah, so so we'll see. Hopefully that would be something that would work out. I, again, I don't know if they have the space for us to just leave our equipment, but uh, if they do, man, that would be great. Absolutely. We got to work that out. All yeah, right, so brother. Ch- Let's yep. Well, here, let me, you, we'll finish with your top 10 because it's much better than mine. I've got a, well, I don't know if I can call it a cute joke, but it's a quick joke. I was at the doctor's and he was kind of checking me out and he said, you're going to have to stop masturbating, Ray. And I said, why is that, Doc? He said, because I'm examining you. <laughs> you know the best thing about that joke? You knew where it was going? No, I told it on the show like two months ago. Ah, oh, shit, did you? Fuck, that, that was that what I, I used. Know? I saw it on... Uh, <laughs> 
Yeah, you do not listen to anything I say. I stole that from TikTok like two months ago. That was a Tristan joke. So, oh, shit. Yeah, so that's but it's oldie but a goodie. All that, right. That's well, a callback. Okay. Yeah. That's so funny. That's a callback. All right. So then, all right. So then, not to be outdone, Tristan, here's one for you. What do you get if you cross a hungry cat and a canary? Ooh, a bad day for a canary. Yes, a cat that's no longer hungry. <laughs> nice. There you go. Oh, I am stuff. so sorry I stole your job. Uh, hey, it's getting we've been doing this for 50 shows. I'm running out of jokes. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. You're, man. You're gonna have to start utilizing Google. So you certainly yeah. knew good you stuff that, knew that joke, huh? <laughs> I I didn't know where it was going. I, I saw it and <laughs> I, I I loved it. That's a good one. Oh, all right. <laughs> I can't examine you, you, sir, while you're masturbating. <laughs> thank you Bad yeah, Wolf. So thank thanks you, to Dan and Nasa at Bad Wolf Gaming That's absolutely funny. and so uh, yep so here we go the Bad Wolf top 10 top 10 things now that this is apropos with gas prices slowly going down here for the last 30 days top 10 things Joe Biden is doing slash saying to help people with gas prices so this is the okay. things that Joe Biden is sort of working on behind the scenes for gas prices number 10 working on cool new handshake with each member of Saudi royal family nice uh, number 9 Capping oil profits for the big oil companies at 1 million percent. <laughs> Number eight, meeting with old friend Corn Pop to flush out ideas. That'll be helpful. Mm. Yeah. Number seven, recommending Americans go back to horseback. Uh, I like number, it. Number six, whatever you do, don't ride bicycles. They are very dangerous, says Joe Biden. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Top 10 things Biden is saying to help with gas prices. Uh, how about carpooling? Yeah, it wasn't very funny. Number four, uh, politely asking Putin if he would mind stopping the war in Ukraine. That, that might help. Uh, might. Number three, checking Hunter Biden's laptop for ideas. <laughs> I bet he's got some good ideas in there. Uh, number does. two, st- number two, starting a national campaign to promote hitchhiking. Yeah. I don't see any problem with that. Nothing no. could go wrong. Um, and the, the number one thing Joe Biden is doing to help with gas prices, insisting that Americans stand and fight for a rigged and stolen election with absolutely no proof and fracturing the nation's deepest tradition, a peaceful transfer of presidential power, completely dividing our nation politically to the point of a civil war. Oh, wait, nope, that's the wrong list. So sorry. That's that's another guy. <laughs> Yes, indeed. Joe Biden That's is not doing that. He's doing a lot of things. Yeah, he's not doing that. Yeah. All right. So the- Ray, it was fun, man. And, and and guys, if you're listening again, you want to do a do your own little podcast. Keep listening to for Troy and Front Porch Studios. He's going to have some cool stuff coming up real soon. We'd appreciate it if you go in Berea Pond and Bad Wolf Gaming and tell them you're very specifically spending money with them because you heard Trisden and Ray talk about them on the uh, on the podcast. Please. So we yes. certainly appreciate that. And Ray, um, I'm going to ask if folks would start reviewing us on Spotify and Apple. I'm going to start reading our reviews coming up. So Uh-oh. weeks that I don't do Uh-oh. a top 10 list, I'm going to do some five-star reviews, but only if you'd give the full five-star review. We're not reading the three-star reviews, but if you leave a five-star review, we will read whatever you say on the air, no matter what it That's is. Cool. So check it out. 
Groovy. Yeah. And check us out on Facebook. So, yeah. So thanks again to Troy. Thanks to Nate thanks, and uh, thanks, at Nate. Stove Leg Media for, for helping. And, and, and Troy, we look forward to having you back here with us here real soon. And uh, guys, have Ray, have a great week, man. Take care. You too, Tris. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Extreme Common Sense with Tristan and Ray. We hope you had fun and look forward to taking on another topic next week. 